You know, I was thinking about this weekend and what it represents. And I was thinking about a situation that I had this week on a traffic stop that was a uh, DUI stop. And I'm dealing with a young man in his 30s. And he's got a vest on with all of his military awards and accomplishments and he wears that apparently wherever he goes. Uh, two tours in Iraq, and he was a shell of a man. And it was one of those things that as a cop, I hate dealing with. Because on one hand, we have a vehicle going all over the road, down in the ditch, into oncoming traffic, a serious, horrible danger to people, and I have a job to do. But on another side, I sit and think about the horrors that that young man went through that he will never recover from. And he's on medication. He wasn't drunk. He was on medication to try to get through his day. And he took too much of it. And uh, that was the, the result of it. And I think <clears throat> millions, well, as I said, the count is 1.1 million of our Young men and women have died to protect this land, uh, you know, a huge cost. And when you think of D-Day, Normandy, um, especially World War II, where thousands were dying right in front of their face as they're trying to storm a beach and, and their brothers are falling next to them on the, on the beachheads and the horrors that those people witnessed. I think it's fitting for us to remember them on a day and remember the Civil War where over 600,000, and you wrap your mind around that, 600,000 Americans die, died fighting other Americans. How horrible. Many times fighting their own cousins and sometimes their own brothers out on a battlefield um, to secure what we have, and if we're not careful, we will take for granted. And I don't want us to ever take it for granted. I deal with it all the time nowadays where people have PTSD because a cop knocked on their door one time and woke them up, or somebody flipped them off on the road, or, you know, they, they, uh, their car broke down or something, they have PTSD. I'm like, come on. I don't even want to hear it. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be incompassionate, but I kind of am because <laughs> I think that uh, when you, I, I think about like that young man who I know was really genuinely dealing with PTSD because of what he saw in Iraq, I think it's a shame sometimes that people use that to get over. And I don't really mean to get into all of that, but I say all that say, we read this morning from John 15 where it said, No greater love has any man than to lay down his life for his friends. And over a million of our friends have laid down their lives for the life that we have today and we enjoy today. So it's a good day to remember them. And I want to do that. I also want to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We talked a little bit as I opened up about how to defeat the devil, how to deal with him in our lives, because he'll always rear that old head up. 
and he tries to come after us. I was listening to a preacher this week, and he was talking about a, an old member that he was visiting that was 96 years old. And he said he's sitting there chatting with this old man, and the old man says, you would think, as old as I am, I'm crippled, I can't go anywhere, I can't go to church. He was a preacher, he said, I can't preach anymore, I can't write, I can't do anything. You would think the devil would leave me alone. But he doesn't. He comes after me every single day. And I hate to tell you folks that every day that you walk this earth and every breath you breathe, the devil's going to be there trying what he can in any way he can. But the Word of God gives us a means to live successfully and joyfully and free and, and with peace, in peace, even in the midst of all those battles that we fight with the devil. 2 Timothy 4 and 6. And I'm reading from the Amplified. Listen to what Paul says. Try to get your mind. Try to put yourself in his mindset. Here's an old preacher who has been around. He has done it all. And he has, he has paid heavily for the ministry that he, was, that he lived. 2 Timothy 4, 6, verse 6, it says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure from this world is at hand, and I will soon go free. I have fought the good and worthy and noble fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith, firmly guarding the gospel against error. In the future there is reserved for me the victor's crown of righteousness for being right with God and, and doing right. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that great day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have loved and longed for and welcomed His appearing. Father, I just ask that You will give us something today to help us live in victory over the enemy who is the enemy of our soul, who fights us so hard in so many ways. And I thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Paul talks about finishing the race. Well, that indicates that he's in a race. We're in a race. We're in a contest. We're trying to get to the finish line. If you go on YouTube, you can watch videos of compilations of people who have started celebrating too early. Anybody ever see any of those? You see them where... Uh, I watched one where there was a penalty kick in a soccer game and the, and the kicker kicked and the goalie dove and blocked the ball and then he, the ball went flying outward and he got up and he was like, yeah, I got it, all this stuff. Well, he didn't realize the ball was rolling back towards the goal. Rolled right into the goal and, and the other team scored. There's those videos where you see the bicycle races and the person is well out in front and all of a sudden they raise their hands and then the, the handlebars turn and they crash and they get past. Uh, you see those races where the runners are out there running and they, they look back and they're way ahead and they raise their hand and here comes this little person around the side just goes right on past them and gets to the finish line. There's a lot of them. It happens a lot. And, and uh, uh, you know, I've seen them wear boxers. We're so confident that they had that fight. That they would go out there and taunt and, and play and kind of slap at the other person and then laugh and bounce around. Uh -huh, and all of a sudden that fist comes from Brooklyn and puts them to sleep right there in the mat. Bam. <laughs> Paul is warning us that 
This is a race. This is a battle. This is a struggle. That's what a race is. When you go out in a race, you're giving every single thing you have. I remember those days when I could run. I don't run now unless there's a buffet line at the end of it. But there was a day when I used to run. And I remember the pain in the side and the, the struggle and the battle because I was a miler and it was a mile of a living torment. I remember those days. That's what it is sometimes. In the Christian life, we battle and we're fighting to get to the finish line. And what matters is the finish line. Paul said, I have finished this race. I didn't quit in the middle. I didn't give up. I didn't lay down. We're not going from A to F or A to M. We're going to, from A to Z. We're going, coming all the way through this thing. And you can see right here in Paul's writings, he, he's tired. You can, you can almost read it in his lines. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm spent. I've given it all. There's nothing left. I'm exhausted. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to finish this thing and get it done. And it was coming. And he said, the hope is the fact that I know I get that crown of righteousness. I get that. It is laid up for me. It is being prepared for me. That is that blessed hope. I've been talking about that for several weeks in a row. That hope, that blessed hope, that is the thing that we as children of God look for. It keeps us happy. It keeps us joyful. It keeps us victorious sometimes just knowing that no matter what I'm going through right now, there is a prize at the end. There is a reward at the end. I'm looking for it. I'm ready for it. What did Paul go through? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says, uh, They are ministers of Christ. I speak as a fool. I am more in laborers oft, uh, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequent. This is the life this man lived. In deaths oft of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. In a night and a day, been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which... Cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches. <laughs> that's a man that's lived a full life. I've never been shipwrecked once. He's been shipwrecked three times. Been in the water overnight. Spending the time in the water. He's been beaten and thrashed for the cause of Christ. He's had to deal with his own brothers and sisters in the Lord who are supposed to be both to be his brothers and sisters in the Lord who are turning their back on him and betraying him. He dealt with all of that hunger and, and thirst and wondering where I'm going to go, what I'm, what I'm going to do, the perils everywhere he went. And he's tired and he says, I've done it. I have finished. I'm ready to go. Most of us have run into people, that, especially old folks, when they're last hours on earth, and they basically say that. I'm ready. I'm done. I've, I'm, I'm worn out. I'm ready to go. And what, they, what Paul is trying to get across to us is that the middle is not what's so important. It's what's at the end. It's what's at the end. Celebrating too soon, like in those videos, will get you in trouble. 
Don't celebrate until you get to the end thinking that you're too far ahead. I've got this thing. I'm wrapped up. I'm good. I am all right. The devil can't do anything to me. That's usually when the devil comes out with one of those punches from Brooklyn I was talking about. About the time you think the devil can't touch me, he finds a way to touch you. The devil does everything he can to get in there and destroy. That's what he does. I've said it many times. He kills, he steals, and he destroys. That's what the devil does. These people on these videos are sometimes thinking that they already get had the goal. They already made the goal. Like that, that kicker in the soccer game. You know, the, the goalie thought, man, I got this thing blocked. I'm good. He gets up and celebrated and the ball rolls right in there behind him and makes the goal. And they don't even realize it. I watched one where a football team, they, I don't know, they didn't realize that the tackle was not complete or whatever. And they all start celebrating because they won the game. And one little guy picked up the ball and ran the whole length of the field, made a touchdown, lost the game. The other team lost the game. It just happens where they think they were so sure they had it. And it turns out they didn't have it. Or they're so arrogant they think they can't lose. See, the Bible tells us beware when you think you stand, lest you fall. We have to realize that it's by the grace of God that God gives us strength to make it every day. And as we leave our lives in the hands of God, He will see us through to the finish. But about the time we think we have this thing wrapped up and I've got it under control and I am, I, I am you know, the top dog and nothing can take me down is about the time the devil will catch your legs right out from under you and show you that you're not as powerful as you thought you were. Ezekiel 18 says, If a man, if a righteous man turns away, if a righteous man turns away, nothing good that he has done will be remembered. But it also says that if an evil man turns away from his evil, that none of the evil that he did before will be remembered. It's the finish that matters. It's the end of the line. It's how we finish this thing that is truly important in our lives. We have to hold on all the way through. Now there's a lot of people that say, like some brothers-in-laws of mine, who say, well, I'm good. I'm good, I'm just going to wait until right to the end, I'll see the rapture take place, and then I'll repent. Or I'll wait until I'm on my deathbed, and I'll say, yeah, it's good now, I'll just, I'll just cry out to God then. That's kind of like, well, what was it last week I said that when you're born, a, a stopwatch begins, and you never know where that stopwatch ends? Well, you can imagine taking, uh, I don't know how many uh, days are in a 80-year life, but take that many bullets in a gun, or, or I'm sorry, that many chambers in a gun with only one bullet, and you just get up every day and you play Russian roulette. At some point, it might be day three, or it may be day 10,000, but at some point, that gun's going to go off, and we don't know what day it is. There, we can't play Russian roulette with our lives. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. What is he talking about? You were lost. You were unsaved. You didn't know God. You were in sin. But God reconciled you to himself. He brought you to himself. He saved your soul. For what purpose? That he, to present you holy and unblameable and irreprovable in his sight. Then he says in verse 23... If you continue in the faith and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. 
which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature under heaven. The Amplified in verse 23 says, And he will do this if you continue in the faith well-grounded and steadfast and not shifting away from the confident hope that was the result of the gospel. He's telling us, The end is what is important. We cannot let down. We cannot turn away. We cannot give up. And you know, I've been doing this thing a long time. And I've seen people that lived the Christian life for decades. And all of a sudden, they walk away. If you've been around the church a long time, you've seen that. And sometimes it shocks you. You think, not them. Not them. That what? Are you kidding me? Not that one. That one didn't turn away. But they do. And, and Paul said, I haven't, I've not get let down, I've not given up, I have not let the banner down. <coughs> My throat will just get me through this, I will be doing awesome. If not, Chuck might have to take over. <laughs> Luke 9.62 says, but Jesus said unto him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. God's word is clear to us that this is a battle, this is a race, this is a struggle, and the enemy of our soul is out for keeps. He's trying to destroy us. It doesn't matter if you're 96 years old laying in a bed at home and unable to do anything. The devil is trying to get to you. He's trying to take you down. Matthew 13 Verse 20 says, But he who he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receives it, but yet he hath not rooted himself, but dureth for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, by and by he is offended. The next verse says, And he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hear the word. And the cure of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. See, the devil, he cannot defeat God in a one-on-one battle. You remember from high school when you always had those, those guys that talked tough, but they'd never fight one-on-one? The devil never fights fair. I remember my brother and I had gotten into a little spitting match with some guys at the, at the uh, uh, bowling alley in Colville. And there was two of them, and there was two of us, and we stared each other down, and they called us names, and we called them names, and then we left. And then a pickup showed up with about 17 others that piled out, and it was a real interesting day, right along Highway 395. Not good. The devil doesn't fight fair. He does not fight fair, and the devil cannot fight God directly. So what does he do? He uses guerrilla tactics. He goes after what is valuable to God. What is that? That's us. He comes after the valuable, the treasure of God, for we are the apple of His eye. And the devil comes after us and he does everything he can to destroy us and bring us down. That's his vision. That's his passion. That's what he tries to do. Judas, when you look at him, you realize here's a man who was called by God, just like the others were called by God. Judas was called just like every one of the disciples. Jesus found him and called him. God anointed him just like all the others were anointed for a purpose, for a task. They were, he was anointed. 
Judas saw miracles, just like the rest of the disciples saw miracles. He was right there. Judas performed miracles. Remember when God sent out the 70, when Jesus sent out the 70, and they were able to perform miracles? He was right there. He performed them. He preached the gospel, just like the rest of them preached the gospel. Judas did that. He was loved of God. In fact, history tells us, some historical writers tell us that Judas was one of Jesus' very favorites. One of Jesus' closest friends. He was loved of God, just like the others were loved of God. He fell into sin and failed God, just like all the rest. You know, we throw down on Judas, but did Judas really do anything different than the rest of them did in sin? I mean, he, he betrayed Christ, but didn't they all betray Christ? While Christ was being led to, to his demise, what did the disciples do? They were gone. Only a couple of them even showed up at the temple to wonder what was going on. They scattered. Their sin, in, in a real way, was no bigger than Judas's sin. They all betrayed God. But the difference was, instead of coming back to God, to back to Christ, instead of running back to Christ as the others did... Judas chose to hang himself over a cliff. There was a difference. (coughs) He became that betrayer and he lost it all because he didn't finish the race. He didn't make it to the end. But see, another guy, this thief on the cross, he had no ministry. Ever. He never had a ministry. He had no special anointing. He was never anointed to do anything. He performed no miracles. He never preached the gospel, but he ran to Christ and was saved. It's like that parable where the the man goes out in the beginning of the day and he picks up some employees and he said, I'll pay you this much. And then he takes them out and they work and they're working all day long. A few hours later he goes out and he finds some more and he said, hey, come on, let's go to work. And he goes out there and, and they head out there and they work. And then just at the end of the day he goes and he gets some more. You remember this parable? He gets some more. And he said, come on guys, you get to work. And at the end of the day, he gives all of them the same exact treasure. The same exact pay. Well, the guys at the end were like, whoa, this is awesome. I only worked an hour or two. This is great. But the guys in the morning were like, hold on a minute. Hold on. What's the deal here? And he said, because I have the right to pay them whatever I want to pay them. It doesn't matter whether you're saved an hour or whether you're saved a hundred years. The treasure, the, the reward is the same. These saints of God, like Paul, who fought so hard and was shipwrecked and was beaten and was betrayed and all that he went through, got the exact same treasure as a thief on the cross. Because he turned his heart and life to the Lord. Sometimes it's when you're so used up, when you have nothing left, when you just can't make it anymore, is when God can really get through and do something in your life. You remember the story of Hagar? See, there was a promise on Abraham. There was a promise. And she didn't, I don't think she really understood that, or she even knew that. And, and to her, her life was over. She was given some provision, and she was told, Go, get on out of here. Woman, I don't want you around. You're kind of messing up my name. Go, leave. So she goes out into the woods with her son, and when the water is gone, and when the food is gone, and she is absolutely hopeless, she has no idea. There's still a promise. There's still a promise. And she takes Ishmael, and she 
puts him up under a bush, and she heads off a few feet away, and she just says, I'm done. I have nothing. There's no food. There's no water. I cannot feed my child. I cannot nurture my child. There's nothing left. I'm finished. But that's when God was able to get through to her. Because an angel of the Lord comes and shows up and says, Hey, what's wrong with you? What's going on? I know right where you're at. I know right what you're going through. I heard the child cry. I've seen it all. You're okay. And God come through. Sometimes it's that point in our life when God can really, really get through to us. Sometimes it's when we have lost. And the Bible says that God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. The well was always there. (laughs) The well was always there. And you say, well, maybe God put the well there. It doesn't say that. It just says he opened her eyes and she saw it. The well was always there. She just couldn't see the well. The well was always there for Judas. He just didn't see the well. When everything had fallen down, when everything had crashed around, the well was right there. That well of living water was right there. Peter ran to it. Judas ran away from it. There's the difference. And so when we look at this and we realize, Paul is trying to tell us, I've, I've done it all. I've spent. I'm worn out. And the devil has fought me and he has beat me. And, and, and yet I have stood strong. Now, the Christian world today tries their best to make living as a Christian easy. They like to make it simple. There should be no sacrifice. There should be no weight or no heaviness. There should be no, you know, the, the burden is light. It's easy being a Christian. Let me tell you something. If you're going to serve God with your whole heart, it's not going to be easy. You're going to lose family. You're going to lose friends. And sometimes you'll lose a job. There's different things. You will lose if you serve God with your whole heart. If you play the world And the Christian, you can get by. That's where most of them are today. Let's play in the middle. Let's pretend we're Christian. But when you totally sell out to the Lord God Almighty, there's going to be a cost for that. And it's going to be heavy. Paul got to be in the Word of God. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The story of him when he was Saul of Tarsus walking and and the the light from heaven and, and the voice speaking to him and saying, What are you doing, guy? Why are you kicking against me? He say, well, that's awesome that he got to do that. But then God sent Ananias. Remember that? Where he sends him and he says, I want you to go tell my servant, Saul, all the things that he gets to suffer for me. Here we have the end of the road where Paul says, this is all the things I suffered for him. How brutal. This man lived a brutal life and he lived it to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. Serving God costs something. And we must hold on to the end because at some point the devil is going to beat us down to the point where we say, I just can't do it anymore. And you, you know what you do? You get up one more day and you serve God again. You never let down. You never give up. You never turn away. Because it's the finish line that matters. And at one point, God's going to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter you into the the joy of the Lord. Come on into the joy of the Lord. Come on into this place that I have prepared. That blessed hope. 
This is just the time that we're getting through the wilderness. We're struggling like Israel in the wilderness. But God says there's a blessed hope. We look for a city whose foundations are the Lord. And when we get to that city, the blessed hope is there. Everything is there. Would you stand with me and and pray?